Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Those of you that are guests with us today, we are actually finishing up a series that we've been in for the last five weeks. We've been going through the book of 1 John for you regular connectors and attenders. I hope and pray that it's been an encouragement to your life as we've studied and gleaned and uh, really been challenged by this letter written by the Apostle Paul. And so today we're going to take a few verses out of 1 John chapter 5 and that's going to springboard us into this thought on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1 now. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It's not just who you, uh, what you believe, but it's who you believe in and believe on. It's not just believing in something. It's putting your belief, your trust on something. In this case, it's a person, Jesus. So it's not just taking on the name of a religion. It's knowing, who, it's knowing the Christ of Christianity. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Actually, in the original language, it reads just the opposite. It reads that Jesus, it doesn't read that Jesus is the Christ. It reads that Christ is Jesus. Christ is Jesus. Christ means Messiah or anointed one. So in order for you to be born of God or to become a child of God, you must believe that Jesus is the one who was promised and prophesied about in the Old Testament. The promised one, the anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ. All throughout the Old Testament, there were promises and prophecies of the one who is to come. The one that was going to set people free. The one that was going to free people from their sin and reconcile them to God. And you've got to believe that that person is God. That's how you become and believe on the person of Jesus Christ. We're not looking for him now anymore. We're not waiting for him now anymore. We don't need another savior. He's already come. He's already fulfilled the prophecies. And he died as an atoning sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. That's why we're here celebrating today. Amen, everyone? So now look at this now. because Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Remember that phrase? Now look at verse 4. For everyone born of God. Same phrase. So, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone born of God, listen to this phrase, overcomes the world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. So the question is, if you are a follower of Christ, are you living an overcoming life? Have you moved from the space of just believing in him to now living a life where you're victorious because of your faith? Paul, quoting from the prophecy in Isaiah 25 and Hosea 13, Pastor Todd read this in our rally this morning. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Look at what it says. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Victory over what, Devin? Victory over sin. 
So it's not just believing in something. It's actually living a life that's victorious and overcoming the world because he now resides in you through Jesus. Are you living in victory over sin? For everyone born of God overcomes the world, achieves this victory by our faith in him. When you think about this holiday that we're celebrating today, there really are two distinct distinct components of it. Uh, There's the Friday experience, what we call Good Friday, which, by the way, was not good for him, but great for us. That's, That's where we celebrate the cross. And then there's the Sunday experience, what we call Easter, where we celebrate the resurrection. And the two combined become the Easter weekend. And I think a lot of people identify with the Friday part, but I'm not sure a lot of people fully understand what the Sunday's all about. Friday, of course, is the day that Jesus did something for us that no one has ever done for us. That is, he took on the penalty of our sin. By the way, sin has to be paid for. It's important for us to know that sin has a price tag to it, and that price tag is death, and someone has to die for it. So what Jesus did was steps in our place, basically into the courtroom of our lives, and he takes our sentence. Hebrews chapter 9, we were soaping through this earlier this week. Hebrews chapter 9, by the way, we have brand new soap guides today for all of you soapers in the house. Make sure you get your soap guide on your way out for if you're a guest Just grab one and start reading along with us and joining along on the reading plan. But look at Hebrews chapter 9. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, he will cleanse our consciences. Look what, from what? From the acts that lead to death, from sin. You are to be overcoming the world, victorious through your faith over sin, so that we may serve the living God for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. What's that? Heaven. Now that he's died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Jesus steps in and in essence says, I don't want you to die. I'll pay the bill. So it wasn't just some display of love. It was that. It wasn't. Just some display of power. Yes, it was that. It was way more than that. It was actually a transaction to keep you from death, from paying the penalty of of sin, which is death. By the way, I think it's important for you to know that hell is not a place that, that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is just a place where people choose to pay their own bill. And the good news is, you don't have to. Like, if I could see so bold as to say this, why would you want to pay your own bill? Especially if it's already been paid. So if someone comes to me to the restaurant and goes, Mr. Webb, your bill has been paid today. You know what I'm probably not doing? Paying it again. It's paid for. Why are we trying to pay for something that we don't even have the ability to pay for? And you don't have to join this church to get in on that. What Jesus did for you is available to you. Here's here's the only thing he asks. In response to him giving his life for you, he simply asks that you give your life fully to him. 
he's not asking you to become part of some religious institution or sign on the bottom line. He's not asking you to do what some institutions may have asked you to already do. That have made Christianity out to be what it's not. He just wants, listen, he just wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you. He wants to be close to you. And if you've never done that, I hope, I pray that you leave here today experiencing the Friday part of Easter, your sins being paid for. But here's the deal. Friday is not where it ends. It's where it ends for a lot of people. But it's not where Jesus wants it to end. Let me ask you a question. If Friday took care of everything that you and I need, why does there even need to be a Sunday? Um, Why not just die and that's it? Why not just pay for sin and that's it? Why does Jesus need to rise from the dead? Well, a lot of answers to that question. The fulfillment of prophecy being one of them, which he fulfilled hundreds of them, over 600 of them, to to prove that he really is who he claimed to be. You know, because it's one thing to make claims. It's another thing to back it up. I mean, the fact that Jesus is not dead, that he's alive. No other God has ever done that. In fact, no other God has ever claimed to do that simply because they can't back it up. That's one of the things that makes our God unique. It's what makes our God, God. He does something that no other God has ever done, nor has ever claimed to do, to which the skeptics would say, well, of course you believe that, Devin. That's your little myth. That's your little Christian fable. But the truth is, Many people, some who weren't even Christians, testified that they saw Jesus after he died. This is captured in non-biblical documents and recordings. Documented that more than 400 people saw Jesus after he died. Paul actually talked about it in Acts chapter 1. Look what he says. After his suffering, meaning his death, he presented himself to them. And gave them, I love this phrase, many convincing proofs that he was and is alive. So yes, there is a component of Jesus rising from the dead that that validates who he is and who he said he was. But I think for a bunch of us, a bunch of us that maybe grew up in church or who already believe and know God and have had a Friday experience I think these are more unique reason why he rose from the dead. And it's another reality that I want us to make be aware of on this Easter. And that is this, that Jesus rose from the dead to conquer death for himself and for you. (laughs) So my fear, here's my fear. My fear is that we're going to gather here today and celebrate the historical reality of Easter. Which is great. We should. But there's more to Easter than that's the historical reality. Easter exists to provide power for you to come alive as well. He conquered death for himself and for you. Look at this verse. This is after his resurrection. He visits one of his disciples, the disciple John on the Isle of Patmos. And he looks at what he says to him. John wrote this in Revelation. I am he who lives. I, look what it says. I was dead. Now, I love that. Because all other gods are dead. Our God was dead. (laughs) And behold, I am alive. This is hilarious. Jesus amens himself. Look, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. 
Like, if you're not going to amen, I'll amen, amen myself, he says. And then, and then look what he says. I think this next line, please read this in, in Scripture. This is hilarious. And I had the keys of Hades, hell, and death. <laughs> you you got to see the humor in this because the devil is so defeated, he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. That's hilarious. Just between that Friday and the Sunday, he goes down and meets him. He confronts him and takes the keys to his own place and says, hey, I'll be back. Now, that reality is something you need to understand. Because keys unlock things. Keys, keys hold the secret to things. Basically, what Jesus is saying is this. I was resurrected so that I could possess the power to unlock death for everyone, including you. And the reason that's important is because there are a lot of people who have had the Friday experience. Yeah, you're going to heaven. Because you put your belief and your trust in and on him. But you're walking around in death and destruction and misery. So you've, you've had a Friday understanding and reality. You've celebrated Easter. You've just never experienced Easter. So you've, you've done the thing. Which is why all throughout the New Testament, the Bible doesn't just want you to get saved. It wants you to, but it's not the only thing it wants you to get. It doesn't want you to just be a church member. It doesn't want you to just believe. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So I just don't want to know him. That's Friday. I want to know the power of his resurrection on Sunday. And I want to live in that. I want to walk in that obvious question here because I don't want to assume. And also because it is where it starts. Have you had the Friday experience? Do you know Christ? Here's the deal. You, you can make that decision in, in a moment. The, the trajectory of your life can be changed today. Simple decision. You can know Christ, have your sins forgiven, and have the reality of the Good Friday experience. Now, if you've never done that, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to do that. But those of you that have already had the Good Friday experience. There's a question that I would like to ask you. Do you also have the power of his resurrection? Ha have you also experienced the mighty power that raised him from the dead? In other words, after you gave your life to Jesus, did you allow resurrection to come into you and start to confront the parts of your life that were dead and dying? Actually... Listen, Ashley and I sit with people all the time. And they say things like this. I know God. know I'm going to heaven. Sure do love my church. But my, my, my life is a mess. And yet we stand and sing, By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Not to come right now. He's resurrecting you. I'm rising from the ashes of defeat. How? By not only knowing the experience of Good Friday, but knowing the mighty power that raised him from the dead, to know him and the power of his resurrection. Let me say it this way. The Christian life isn't just something that you know. It's something that you experience. 
One of my favorite Resurrection Day verses. This is a life verse. You'll hear me quote it a lot. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You've got to hear this. You've got to live this. You've got to experience this. Lives in you. Lives in you. You've got to get that. The same spirit, the same amount of power that God had to enact to raise his boy from the dead. It wasn't just a one-time deal. It wasn't just for Jesus. God always intended his power to be available to you for all of time, not just to his son. Amen. I will do like Jesus. Amen. I will amen myself. Do like Jesus. I'm a Christian. Probably the best way to apply this verse is to think of an area of your life that you are convinced is dead. Maybe there's an area of your life that you know it's going to require a miracle of the resurrection power of God. It could be a relationship. It could be a financial need. It could be a physical need. It could be... It, It could be a dream that you were once convinced of that you now are convinced is dead and it's only going to be the resurrecting power of Christ living in you that allows you to believe that it's alive. It could be that. You need to know he's still, listen, he's still in the miracle working business. He has not closed up shop and he makes available to you the same power that he had to enact to raise his son from the dead. And then look what it says in verse 11. And just as, what's that mean? In the same way. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life, not to your your eternal body. He will give life to your mortal body by the same spirit that's living in you now. God can and will breathe life into the, the dead areas of your life. Which means that on this Easter 2018 You can not only celebrate the resurrection, but that you can live the resurrection and experience it for yourself. You know, you just don't have to attend a a service to celebrate Christ's resurrection. You can actually experience it every day. So it's not, well, yeah, 2,000 years ago, woo-hoo, Jesus, that was awesome. No, no, it is that, but it's so much more than that. It doesn't have to just be a celebration of a one-time distribution of God's resurrection power. God intended for Easter to be lived out and active in your life on an ongoing basis. Now, unfortunately, a lot of us are trying to live this life without that power being active in our lives. So we're saved and going to heaven and we're miserable and living in disappointment and and discouragement. I'm, I'm convinced that people think I'm forgiven, but I'll I'll never get it back. Praise God, I'm forgiven, but my life will never be great again. I mean, because I've already made my moral choices, and I've already messed up, and I'm already scarred in such a way that I'm never going to get back what I thought was possible at some point. And we end up giving up. And something being ruined in your life, listen, is a fact Unless you have resurrection power that can take dead things and bring them back to life. Only Jesus can can bring the so-called dead things of your life and bring them back to life. So the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope 
that what is dead in our lives, or perceivably dead, can come to life again. One of my daily prayers for you, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I pray, I pray, and I've been praying this for you for today especially. I pray you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who already believe in him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I pray that you will begin to understand that there is incredibly great power available to you, to those who believe. And here's, here's my point. I think a lot of us stop at belief. And we never get to Sunday and experience victory. Many people celebrate the cross, but they don't live in the resurrection. And the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead is available to your marriage, to to your addiction, to your emotions, to your finances. That same power is available to every area of your life. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you an invitation to more than just an Easter service. I want to give you an invitation to go on a journey. A journey to experiencing your life being different. To rise from the ashes of defeat. Which, by the way, is my deepest hope as a pastor. This may come as a shock to you. But providing services is not enough for me. My my deepest passion is to take people on a spiritual journey. where, Where their lives can be restored. Which, by the way, is what I think Jesus is all about. Early on in his ministry life, Jesus went into the temple. He went over to where they were keeping all the scrolls. He gets one out that was written in Isaiah chapter 61. And he begins to read out of Isaiah 61 the walking, now living testament of the prophecy. And basically he says, I'm the one that that's talking about. And I want to read this passage with you. And as I read it, You're going to see the spiritual progression. And I I want you to consider on this Easter 2018 to do more than just experience a service, but actually start going on the journey. Isaiah chapter 61. This is what Jesus read in the temple. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, that is not talking about someone not having money. That is talking about someone being bankrupt in their soul. Poor is not when you run out of money. Poor is when you run out of hope. And he said, I've come to let you know that you don't have to pay for your sin. That's good news. We call it the gospel. And that's the Friday experience. You don't have to pay for your own sin. But he doesn't leave us there. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness the prisoners. So after you've had this moment that you can have in a moment, after you've had that, you now begin the process where all the places where you've been hurt can be restored. All the places where you've been held captive can be set free. All the things that you've been in darkness in now can have his light shining on it. To proclaim, he says now in verse 2, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. In other words, 
Now you can sense God working in your life because he's holding back and confronting the enemy of your soul, the demonic principalities that are real. And now verse 3, provide for those who grieve. And I love this, three things. To bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. In other words, I want to heal your life. I want to bring joy into your life. I want to clothe you in victory. He doesn't just save you. He doesn't just heal you. Beyond saving you and healing you, he wants to take your broken life and restore it back to something great. Look at the rest of verse 3. Because the result of that is this. And now, if he does that, you will be called, look, oaks of righteousness. Planted in the, in the Lord for the display of his splendor. <laughs> now, I have the privilege of watching that happen in people's lives. People whose lives, they thought their lives were destroyed and now they're pillars of the church. They went from people who had no hope to beautiful people that we marvel at today and we look at them and go, only God can do that. Only God can do that. But he doesn't stop there. He not only saves you, he not only heals you and provides for you and restores you, but now he wants to actually use you. The same people who were once broken and poor, who have gone through this process, and now oaks of righteousness, now they, verse 4, will rebuild the ancient ruins. Not Jesus, they will. And they will restore the places long devastated, and they will, re will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So now they're taking the ruins around them and they're making an impact. What I'm trying to say to you is this. Easter is not an event. It's an invitation that God's inviting you to to rebuild and restore your life so that you can help rebuild and restore other people's lives. That's Easter. So I'm going to give you four simple thoughts before we get out of here today. For you to consider this process taking place in your life. And here's the first one. You need to start believing. Start believing. It's time to make a decision. It's time to look at your life and say, right here, right now, why put it off? You're here. In a moment... You can reverse what you thought was a curse and let God change your life. The curse of sin that you're convinced is always going to be present can be broken over your life. Jesus is the only one who can take the current decay and flip the script and turn you back into something beautiful. Only Jesus can do that. All you have to do is believe and respond and give him your life. And listen, it doesn't even matter to me if you believe that. Because I've got hundreds, thousands of people whose lives have been completely turned around that would tell you it's real. What's the catch? Look at John chapter 11, verse 25. I am, this is Jesus talking, I am the resurrection. He, he, it's not just something he does, it's who he is. 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, mortal body. Now they get to spend eternity with him. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he looks at him and goes, do you believe that? And some of us need to start believing. Do you believe that you can have eternal life through Jesus? Wouldn't that be wonderful to know that your eternity is secure? It can be. Okay, let's go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Are you still with me, everybody? Okay, okay, go on now. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, the Christ, the anointed one, which represents all that Jesus Christ is and does, so that you will know, look at this, with settled and absolute knowledge that you have eternal life. So you, you don't have to join this church. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to become more religious. God, God's actually not looking for perfection. He's just looking for you to give him your imperfections. It's available to you. And again, a lot of you have already experienced that part of it, the Friday part of it. But you've got to remember, that's not where he wants to stop. He not only wants to save you, but he has to heal broken places, which is why you need to do the second thing, and you need to now start trusting well, isn't that the same? It's not. Because I can believe in the person that's walking across the tightrope, or I can trust them and get on their back and let them walk me across. Well, it's easy to believe from them from down here. But now I'm going to throw myself on their back and trust them that wherever they take me, I'm okay with. Some of us have to move from just believing in it to actually trusting him. And part of trusting is the willingness to take the next step. Do you know that church in and of itself was never designed to change your life? Even though many of you would say, this church changed my life, and I'm thankful. But church was always designed to be the place to serve as a catalyst for you to want to change. For you to want to go on the journey. Actually, that's my, my perfect Easter is not how many services we can fill up. You know what my perfect Easter is? How many come back next week and say, I'm going to go on the journey? <laughs> back next week. I, I'm so committed to that. Next week, we're starting a new series called Made for More. No matter where you are, listen to me, no matter where you are on the spiritual journey, whether you've been serving the Lord for decades or whether you've been serving him for a day, all of us have a next step. All of us. Which means that your walk with the Lord always requires trust. So if you're struggling with trust, any relationship is going to be difficult, especially a relationship with Jesus. Wherever and however long you've been serving him, there's always a next step. But if you do, you will feel the hope in the only one. He anchors us, the Bible says. It's the anchor, the hope in the only one who died and rose again so that you could experience resurrection life every day. You know, we, we don't think of church as an event here at Connect. We think about church in steps, in process, in journey which is why you often hear us talk about going on the journey with you. Hey, let's go through the process. Hey, take the next step. Speaking of next steps, it's the first weekend of the month. 
which means it's step <laughs> it's step one of the next steps process. And everyone's looking around going, well, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. What's the deal? It's what we call connect. And for, listen to me, for some of you, you've been here for months. Some of you have been here for years. Some of you, you don't even trust me. And that's your next step. You, you, you could be here for the first time and you know you need a body of believers that can make a difference with you, that you can understand what your purpose is. It's, we, listen, it's very simple. It's 45 minutes. Immediately after church, you get food and we watch your kids. We're trying to make it. E- it's 45 more minutes without your brats. Enjoy it. Mine, I, 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 have, I have four of them. It's okay. And then, and then the other thing I just want to mention, in terms of next steps, uh, Sunday, April 29th, we have our quarterly water baptism. And uh, for, some, for some of you, for some of you, that is your next step. That's your next step. We, we would be honored to be a part of that celebration in your life. If that's something you're interested in, the card that you already have started to fill out, just check it. And drop it in the bucket later, and we'll follow up with you. Here's, here's how we say it here, and this may sound a little intense. We just say, give us a year of your life. And I, Listen, I know that's a big ask. But I'm going to make a big promise. Because if you will give us a year, in fact, it won't even take a year. But if you will run the plays, do the process, go through next steps, get in a group, and let God begin to work in your life, I promise you, by this time next year, by this time at the end of the year, you will be a different person. And, and you're surrounded by people that would go, that's me, I did that. And one of the cool things I get to experience is to watch people at different points, because how many know we have people that are in all kinds of places on their journey, which we can celebrate to pursue a closer relationship with Christ and come to a greater understanding of who we are, that God wants to resurrect some things in your life. What you thought was impossible in the natural, God can do in the supernatural, I promise you. Grace, grace is not just to save you. That may shock you. It's not available just for a free ticket to, whoo, barely made it in, but thank you for your grace, Jesus. That's not the only reason grace is there. Grace will meet you where you are, but it will never leave you where it found you. It wants to take you on a journey of healing and freedom and restoration. And he doesn't just stop there. God, God wants people who feel like they're, they're beyond repair. Whose morals are ruined, whose mind is ruined, whose marriage is ruined, whose future is ruined, whose finances are ruined. And he doesn't just want to save it and heal it, which is why you have to take the next step. You need to you start believing and trusting so that you can start overcoming. Start overcoming. I want you to believe in your heart that you can be an oak of righteousness. So don't just celebrate the cross, live the resurrection. So that someone could look at your life and go, are you serious? Can you believe? I, I didn't know what to say about that. That could be your life. And I need you to realize that God sees greatness in you that you cannot see in yourself. 
And I would love, we would love to be a part of that process to help you discover your purpose. I, I wish you'd give us the opportunity. I'd be honored if you did. Start believing, start trusting, start overcoming. And then you can actually do what it's all about. You can start living. <laughs> you can start living. Devin, what's living? Living is someone that takes their brokenness, allows God to make it beautiful, and he lets God use them in places where there is ruin and brokenness. They bring life and hope and peace to dead places. And honestly, this is a big deal to me because I think religion is communicating something other than that. By and large, by and large, if you ask people, I was sitting at the, the mobile phone store three weeks ago. By and large, when you ask people, hey, tell me what you've heard in church. Yeah, I have those conversations in the mobile phone store. Yes, I do. You know what she told me? They kept telling me how bad I was. That I always felt like they were pointing their finger at me. They, they, they kept trying to convince me how sorry I should feel for how bad I was. That's not the God story. Yes, there is conviction. Yes, there is repentance. But that's not all that the God story entails. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's why he came. That's what he came to do. He came to take all of your brokenness. He came to breathe life where you thought it was dead. Thanks again for listening. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.